0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get French Football News Preview Show with me, Louis McParlin. Tonight we have a lot to chat about, with a massive European match taking place in midweek, as well as some tasty games coming up this weekend in Ligue 1. We also have an interesting prospect to mull over. Could Ligue 1 soon reduce its size from 20 teams to 18 We'll chat all that and more a bit later in the show, but first, there's nowhere else to start but in Paris, where on Wednesday night, Mauricio Pochettino's men faced off against Manchester City. Modern Giant versus Modern Giant, Starboy versus Starboy, Fantastic Coach versus Fantastic Coach. Yes, the Parc de France was the place to be on Wednesday, but to the disappointment of one of our panellists tonight, the host's failed to exit the game with the biggest grin. Yes, the match finished 2-1 to the visitors from Manchester as Riyad Mahrez and Kevin De Bruyne cancelled out Marquinhos' first half goal. The Brazilian centre-half went in at half-time with his header, the full stop on an essay of domination from PSG. However, City had been practising their pros in the changing room and came out for the second 45 with some killer verses of their own. De Bruyne's cross turned shot, turned goal, knocked Paris off their perch and Riyad Mahrez only furthered the misery with a free kick on 71 minutes, handing the first leg to the team from England. It was clear there had been a bit of panic from Paris as 13 minutes before the end Idrissa Gay was sent off for a brutal tackle on City's Ulkai Gundawan. Halftime in the tie, Paris Saint Germain won Manchester City two. Tonight I have Thomas Wiseman and resident Parisian Philip Barziel on the show. And Philip, you must be disappointed with how that game went ultimately.
1: Yeah, it didn't go very well. Uh, first half was the uh, probably one of the best halves we we played uh, this season. Great, uh, great, great turnout. Especially after what we did against uh, Barcelona and Bayern, and you know what, second half, I've I've uh, I've listened to a lot of people talk about this game, talk about uh, being uh, playing a four four two with Virat as a left winger, something he doesn't really play that often, and um, was it wise for him to play on on the flank and uh, be, on, be on the wing uh, when uh, whilst defending and then going centrally whilst attacking? Uh, given that he just got back from the COVID and he miss he missed the quarterfinals, and uh, you know, I, I honestly think that we should never ever be at full strength. We we always uh, uh, better when we're missing massive players. Last night we had uh, one absentee, which we've had for almost a year now, which is Juan Bernat. So we had Virati, we had Neymar, we had Mbappe, we had Di Maria. Fantastic game by Di Maria, and um, it it was even more scary because the second half we were, I mean, everyone was knackered. Um, then there was a sending off, so that was uh, that was even worse, and it just it just felt like, hold on, this is our A team. We've got lesser players, lesser players on the bench. So basically we're losing, playing very, very badly, and we've got no options on the bench. I mean the options are are there. I mean, today's Moise Keen and today's Icardi. But we've got on on the pitch, we've got Neymar, we've got Mbappe, we've got Viruati, we've got Paredes, we've got Di Maria. That's not bad. And it just feels like it just feels like when when we have injuries, we're thinking, well, if we get knocked out, does it matter because we weren't at full strength. And here we were at Force Twins, but so many things went badly, and most of those things I called uh, Neymar and Mbappe, and uh, it really it really feels like one of them should injure, the, uh, uh, should get an injury against Lars on Saturday, and I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll do just fine uh, at the Etihad Stadium next Tuesday. That's maybe you know maybe uh, some kind of a psychological thing, but I'm convinced that uh, if 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 a major player is missing, then well, except from Gana Gay, obviously, uh, then we'll do uh, yeah, we'll do we'll do something, we'll do something at the Etihad Stadium. But it was yeah, it was just it was just so frustrating, and also having having the two the, those two play in a four four two and not defending at all. Um, and just not not being yeah just not not being uh, in the mood for a big big Champions League game. I mean, this is what why why they're here basically. This is why they're earning so much money. This is why we bought them from Monaco and, uh, and from Barcelona so they could play this type of game, and they just didn't turn up, which you know we really didn't expect. The game,
0: yeah. Was, I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean in a lot of games we've seen through. Through Mbappe's career, especially in the big matches. I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago the big away games. Especially, he does usually turn up, but this just wasn't really one of them. I mean, the the GFFN Twitter uh, channel kind of summed it up. They said he was chasing shadows. I imagine you agree with that, Philip.
1: Yeah, he was. He was, and uh, and uh, we've had this discussion with Eric. A couple of weeks back, I think it was after the Barcelona. Well, a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months now, uh, I think it was after the four-one win at Barcelona, where Bobby played on the wing, and he was he was on the left, and you know he had time to run forward, and so he got the ball from deep, uh, mostly from the uh, from the center uh, center circle on the left hand side, and he was able to run. And one and one and one, you see Mbappe being frustrated by deep deep line uh, defenses like uh, like Strasbourg or, Messe or Angers, and being frustrated because the defense is playing so close to the goalkeeper. This wasn't exactly the case, but first of all, I mean, let's let's do let's say something. Ruben Diaz and uh, and John Stones did have a, g- a good game. I mean, they defended well. It's just not uh, it's not just those two who played badly. I mean, they, they. the two City centre backs were very good, but. Um, as, uh, I honestly think that the guy should should not play at front he should be he should be as a winger his two his two uh, best two games uh, in his career was against Argentina in, uh, in the Russian World Cup for France and against Barcelona and he was he was as a winger to, to, me, to me as a center forward uh, always always Lisa of course but he needs a space. And he didn't he didn't have the space and he didn't make the runs and and there are some there are also there's also the fact that he has played every single game since january and it hasn't been served for for instance why don't you sub him against Strasbourg when you when you're 4-1 up why is he on the pitch because it did feel like he was a bit short physically not fit to play 90 minutes which so is, do you think you know, there's
0: some blame to be laid on the manager for that? Maybe not just how he's handled this game, but the last number well, of matches. The, the
1: problem that's another problem with the club is that so you can't touch Mbappe or Neymar. You can't replace him. It's like if you replace him in that kind of game, you get you get killed. If you if you if you lose a game, and you, and you probably get sacked if you if you, if you're if if you're if you're on borrowed time like Thomas Tuchel was. It's 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 also that kind of that kind of club, that kind of of attitude and. Uh, and the atmosphere that is very that is really not not good. At City, you've got great players like Maris and Dubois and all that, but you've got no no not that type of uh, of of superstars. It's like if if Pochettino, it felt like Pochettino was not allowed to sub Mbappe or Neymar because then you had Ganagai who got sent off at what seventy seventieth minute something like that. Yeah. And what what do you usually do? You play four four two. What do you usually do when a player gets sent off? 4 four one, you you take off a, a forward, and you put him uh, either well, it's it's usually a centre back or even a goalkeeper who gets sent off. So you put someone at the back, or you put some, or in that case, you put someone at midfield. What did Pochettino have to do? I'm not saying what what he did. I think it's what he had to do. He had to take off the best our best player, Angel Di Maria, and replace him with Danilo. So we played a four-three-two. While chasing the game, which mm. which makes no sense. No other side, I mean, in the world would make that type of substitution if it wasn't for Mbappe and Neymar, and that's the problem. They're, they're untouchable, and a lot of, and again, a lot of fans are saying, you know, you should. If 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 it's going to be like this, one of them has to leave.
0: Mm. De- definitely a, a frustrating night with the way that the kind of proceedings went for PSG. But Thomas Wiseman, looking at the match, even though they didn't win it in the end, there were some awkward goals that we'll focus on in just a few minutes. But Paris were very worthy for their lead in the first half, weren't they, Thomas? They, Apart from the first awkward maybe five or ten minutes, PSG really started to put on the pressure and, and deserved their goal.
2: Yeah, for, I mean, for sure, yeah. And it was... Um it was kind of a tell of two halves cuz psg were were certainly very very dangerous in that first half and um it's just funny how it you know the, it came from a, a corner it was a, a great ball from demri and Marquinhos again produce you know scores in a in a, an important champions league game which he seems to do every season he always has his uh, his goal um but yeah they, they they were they were dangerous in the first half and I think out of all the players, really, Di Maria was the one that I think in the past maybe he's not, not not stepped up in in the big European games, but in in this game he was the the best of the front three, um, and he was just so he, he he's such a, a joy to watch. He's such a clever player, um, and he, he never seems to 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 give away the ball in them in and the positions, and, and his delivery is just so so dangerous. Um, but they just uh, when they went 1-0 up and they were they were dominating the game you just sort of thought they need to get a second here cuz city could easily bring this back and then all all they've you know all they've done goes goes to waste really and it it turned out that was that was going to happen
0: Thomas, what do you think of the two goals then that were conceded by Paris Saint-Germain? I mean, as much as City (laughs) did... I think Phil should probably answer this question. Phil, come in. The two goals in the second half then. I mean, as much as City did put pressure on Philip, the two goals weren't exactly extremely well-crafted, you know, lots of build-up goals. They were a direct free kick, which went through a Champions League semi-finalist wall somehow and a cross turned shot turned goal Philip that must be probably the most annoying thing to watch as a fan
1: I was more annoyed by Mahrez's free kick actually um, because uh, the, uh, the De the goal those things happen uh, because the goalkeeper expects the defender someone to touch the ball and uh, on this occasion nobody touched it and it was it was dangerous um uh, it's always dangerous when Du Boy is actually on target. This is probably why Du Boyne made that type of uh delivery. And but it was more a uh, hope than expectation. And you know, those things happen. I mean it doesn't happen very often at that at that level, but those things do happen and I'm not blaming Navas at all. It's a soft goal to concede, but you know, again, it happens. Whereas but you can't I mean I've I don't think I remember actually uh having uh a free kick uh, goes through a wall in the Champions League in, in actually the Champions League knockout stage or something like that so, At such such an important game I mean how can you how can you how can you defend like that like like we said just before the show uh, you've got you've got uh, much less uh, shall we say quality ridden sides into premiership like Burnley Brighton uh, I don't know, Newcastle, no offense to the fans of those sides. They wouldn't concede a goal like that. The wall would have stood. And there you've got you've got a a hole somehow between Kimpembe and Paredes, and Navas is is not is not covering it because he's thinking, Hold on, this is my wall. I mean she, you know, there should there shouldn't be a hole in it. But there was. And it just it just felt it just felt you know it's not like the city didn't deserve to actually uh Score two goals during that second half because uh, the, 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 the 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 pressing and counter pressing and everything was was there, they were so much better and we were knackered again. Uh, I mean, once again we were completely completely knackered with Verratti having to play t- in two positions positions at at, uh, at once and uh, and the players just just not responding to a four four two and uh, again Mbappe and Neymar not defending. It's not like it's not like City didn't deserve it. But, you know, it's just concealing that type of goal. It's just extremely frustrating. And uh, and what what was what was even uh, what was even more what what hurt more is uh, the way we couldn't react because so too tired. Just too tired. Mbappe and Neymar too, uh, not not in the right mood, not in the not in the correct mood. I, I'm I'm pretty sure at least one of them is going to turn up on on Tuesday. Hopefully, otherwise, well, we can you know we can say we might as well not watch the game. Uh, but um, yeah, it's just the lack of us, uh, how psychologically, uh, we were we were already defeated, uh, fifteen minutes in because because uh, because just uh, just a huge knock. Uh, physical you know it wasn't like uh, it wasn't uh, like project team I don't don't think he I don't think he could have uh, he could have prevented that defeat even with uh, even with uh, the right substitute honestly because it it really felt like the side were completely completely knackered uh, by what the 55th 60th minute something like that
0: Mm. that leaves you
1: uh, half an hour to play and then you get a man sent off it's very hard
0: yeah uh, I mean, as much as City did have chances and obviously they scored two goals, Philip, do you still feel PSG should have had more than one goal at least? I mean, everyone kind of points to Marco Verratti's chance where he was about, what, a toenail, half a toenail from getting a getting a solid connection on it and putting it in the, in the end of the goal, but in the back of the net. But I seem to remember in the first half other players having kind of half chances. There was one where Neymar did some... Dr- Fantastic dribbling in the box, but then his shot was kind of weak. Do you think PSG will be disappointed or or they should have really taken advantage of the domination they had in the first half and maybe put a few more on the score sheet?
1: I don't remember actually Ederson Moraes uh, uh, playing a blind or making like five stops or anything, or making actually one one decent, one world class save, shall we say? He didn't he didn't he didn't like Paulo Navas in in Munich. But uh I, I think our domination in the first half uh, should have warranted uh, at least uh, three massive chances uh, that uh, should have uh, should have ended uh, should have meant we were going more than a goal up in the, uh, in the at, at, um, in the first half at half time. Um, but I don't I, I think we, we actually uh, created uh, little chances. Uh, for all the domination we had in in the in the first half, I think uh, with that kind of domination, uh, yeah, we probably we, we should have created uh, we should have created more. And yeah, I'm not. I, I'm I'm just uh, just going to ask an open question: if if you guys uh, uh, saw that too, but uh, do you think at some point there was some kind of strategy of Guardiola of not playing in the first half and and that, and, and turning up in the second? Or is it too far? <laughs> I can't I, imagine. I, That's the thing because I mean, to, it, to, it felt to... a bit like it because it was so rubbish in the first half. Yeah. And the second half, it was like, okay, we had a little laugh in the for forty-five minutes. Now let's play some football.
0: I mean, and I kind of know what you mean because in the first half there was a lot of city possession with just. No it didn't even look as if they had much of an intention of, of trying to do anything. Like they didn't play with the number nine, of course, people say that, but like whoever was filling in for the for the number nine position, sometimes it was Foden, sometimes it was Marez. They didn't even really make a movement towards the ball. They were just kinda it was just kind of there. So I d I don't know, Phil, you might actually be on, onto something with that. It's an, it's an interesting subplot. Um and, and speaking of subplots, Thomas Wiseman, there was something you noticed between Mitchell Backer uh, young left-back playing on the night, and Neymar, they seem to have a, a, a few words at each other throughout the night. How, how do you think that really added to this PSG performance? It surely couldn't have helped. What was what, happening there?
2: Um, well, there was one occasion, I think it might have been the second half, where uh, Neymar, PSG was sort of, I think I think they were trying to counter-attack, and then Neymar tries to play a, a ball through to Mitchell back on the, on the left, and he just does he just doesn't read it at all and, and the ball goes out of play. And Neymar get gets really frustrated with um with him. Um, I mean, to be fair, I did have a, a, a pretty poor game. You know, Verratti was covering him a lot of the time and he just didn't look he just he he that wasn't, you know he he's not at the level to play to play in a Champions League semi final against Manchester City. And he's obviously only twenty years old, I think. Um but I think that Phil you mentioned that there was that neymar's comments towards him were were pretty harsh apparently
1: uh yeah it was li- actually i didn't notice it i was listening to a to a podcast and uh, it it felt like um, uh, to 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 roughly translate uh, it felt like neymar was uh, was mocking him and uh, and basically not encouraging uh uh and already, as you said, he's it's, it's it's he's not Champions League quality left back. I mean, he he is he is only young, but you can't you don't really see him having uh, uh, some kind of uh, uh, some kind of uh, Ashley Cole uh, uh, career, more like a Levin Kozalov career or something like that. I mean, it, and a guy like Neymar should really be urging you know should really be encouraging those type of players, and apparently he didn't do that. He uh, he got really annoyed with him, and screamed at him and um and at some point bakker was uh was supposed to to go deep uh, down his wing so that he could play the ball or and and get the ball or do something and uh afterwards he was afraid and he started making uh use of the back passes and that's yeah that's uh this is where a lot of people have been saying uh i mean uh, what the hell is name are doing i mean if you if you if you if, if you're going to be a leader and lead lead your side to championship oh, glory you have to do it you know no, no, no offense to Michelle Baker, but you have to do it with the, with everyone, not just with uh, Mbappe, Di Maria, and all that. Mm, and yeah. you know, I, I tend to agree. But again, I didn't, I didn't actually notice it. So yeah, yeah. just going off for uh, what a lot of people have said on the uh, on the PSG podcasts.
0: I, th- I think with this type of situation, there's several ways you can look at it and there's different people you can you can blame or or, 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 or see as the kind of key figures in it. Obviously, yeah, maybe <laughs> goading your own teammate, Neymar probably isn't the best reaction, but I don't know if, I mean, he's that type of player. He always seems a bit of a controversial type of player with the way he plays and whatnot. And maybe he was just trying to get a reaction out of, of Bakker, which I can understand as well. And then the other side you can look at it as, but he's only 20 years old you shouldn't really have to put up with that. But then another way you can look at that is saying, but you're playing in the Champions League semi-final. Like, I don't think age is much of a thing. There's other young players on the pitch and, and in other matches who have stood up. And I think Mitchell Backer is going to be a professional footballer and play for PSG, a massive club, and being a Champions League semi-final. I mean, you kind of got to step up. I, I, I can't help but feel that. I mean, I have probably a a, a a hundredth of the footballing ability that backer has. And I probably also would have gone into myself a little bit if I'd started to have neighbours shouting at me. But I still just can't can't help but feel that a professional footballer, no matter how old, if you're playing in a Champions League semi-final, you've got to kind of step up and you can't really go into your shell like he did. And Thomas, he, he did do that. You, you could see he had very little confidence. I think there was even a chance late on in the game, maybe in first half, I can't really remember, where the ball kind of was was crossed in and half cleared and it was he was running towards it and he just needed to kind of blast it in top corner and it was the weakest Shot straight at Ederson, like you could see, he was extremely nervous.
2: Yeah, and it's a shame, and you know, it, it, I guess it just depends on the the personality of the player. You know that they can react to different um, different situations or different um, what what his teammates. You know, how they support them. Is it is it that they they do berate them or the you know they put their hand on their shoulder and just say you know it's all right just Continue, carry on, and and uh, try to do better or whatever. But it seems like yeah, he didn't really take the take the um the comments from Neymar very well. But it didn't really seem th- to
0: appreciate I, it, did he?
2: <laughs> yeah, but I don't think you know this PSG loss should be on him, his fault really. There's no. there's players there that should have stepped up because of their their ability and their talent that didn't.
0: Mm. Thomas, do you feel this game's gotten away from Paris? Uh no. No, they've they've got every chance to to turn it around. 2-1, um, two away goals going into that that tie on Tuesday, I think it is in Manchester. How how do you see that that one really panning out? I mean, I
2: I'm not it's possible that they can they can bring it back because like we've seen in you know in the in the games against uh Bayern Munich, you know PSG only need one or two attacks to 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 um to score a goal or two and uh you know it's possible that they can they can get that to- two goal lead against against city in manchester um but it's it is a it'll be a very very tricky game to to get through i'd say because city did look um very impressive in that second half.
0: Hmm. Philip Bargiel as a fan, how, how do you feel going into that second leg? Is there I feel like whenever you watch your team, there's always a bit of trepidation, there's always a bit of nerves. But are you confident going into this second leg against Manchester City?
1: Yeah, we usually uh, play quite well away from home. Anyway, scored four in Barcelona, three in Munich, uh, and uh, those goals came actually came from uh, from half chances. I think I think our, uh, our XG. Figure was actually uh, lower than the actual goals that were scored. So we actually scored from uh, from half chances or something like that. Not uh, not all not such an expert on that uh, on that technology yet. Um, so yeah, very confident. And also, I really hope that Neymar and Mbappe step up. Step up and I really hope that uh, Mbappe plays on the wing. And uh, if he does, then uh, you know, so, so, <laughs> uh, I think uh, one uh, one of Carl Walker or Joe Cancelo or Zinchenko. Um, we'll have a bad, uh, a bad night, and uh, you know, I, I mean, knowing knowing those two, they, they can't just say, okay, it's only a Champions League semi final. I mean, they, they they want to, they want to 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 make it to the final because that's what they I mean, that honestly, that's what they paid for. So, uh, I believe that they'll make the effort. I'm not saying that we're going to go through. I'm pretty confident we're going to score, but I'm really, I mean, I'm usually extremely shit with predictions. So, <laughs> don't uh, don't count, uh, don't don't bet anything on that.
0: <laughs> don't just don't, don't trust you in any way essentially is what you're saying okay interesting I yeah. like that um, okay well that's the end that's, that's half time you could say in this tie Paris Saint-Germain 1-Manchester City 2-Manchester City definitely in the driving seat going into that second leg in a week's time in Manchester those away goals could prove really crucial, Um, even if it is 2-2 on aggregate, if PSG win 1-0 in Manchester, they will need another goal on top of that due to that away goal's rule, so an extremely frustrating night for the Parisians, but we'll have to see if the, the team can come back in the second leg. They're of course representing France, they're the only French team left in the Champions League this season, so we'll all be supporting them from here as you can expect. And, and let's take it a bit closer to home now. Uh, just a quick note I want to make before we go on to two of our preview games tonight, which are Brest versus Nantes and Dijon versus Mets. There has been a new story flying about over the last few days about the possibility of Ligue reducing It's number of teams from 20, as it is now, to 18 by the year 2022, and this is a similar model to the Bundesliga in Germany, which has 18 teams, and I know there's been other talk about it in England in the past, about that possibility of them reducing the size of their league. Uh, There's been a group of presidents talking about it this week through a a series of Zoom calls, I believe, um, considering this possibility, and there's a lot of moving parts in this. Obviously there was a, a big news news story involving french football with the tv deal a couple of months ago and how it it wasn't basically wasn't going to be delivering as much money to france as a lot of people thought initially due to a number of different subplots in that story and because of that there is speculation that the teams, uh, that the league could go down to 18 teams in order to spread that money a bit thicker over a number of the clubs to help clubs from going bust essentially. Other teams we've we've seen this year have had financial problems like Saint-Étienne and Bordeaux and this would be in a, a bid to save those teams a bit more, spread the money about a little bit, uh, even though there would be less games broadcast every season. I think it's thirty-eight less matches would be broadcast with an eighteen-team setup. And Philip Bars Yale, what's your opinion on this one? For it or against it?
1: Uh, definitely against it, of course, uh, because uh, it's making uh, more games for the Champions League, and uh, I honestly reckon that we've had it enough. Champions League games as it is. Uh, so for side that's not already qualified, we've got six group stage games. then two plus two plus two, and then the final. Well, I think that's uh, I think that's enough. And um, and the uh, football show should be about uh, league football first and foremost. Um, that's where you know that's where all the uh, the youth players are are being uh, are being trained the academies. So uh, yeah, definitely against it. And also, we've—I uh, <laughs> remember the Dark Ages where we actually had a, a team with, with 18 sides, and it really wasn't uh, really wasn't pretty. Um, I just don't, yeah, just don't think that uh, it would uh, it would actually it would actually work. And uh, knowing the uh, the French league, so the LFP, um, I reckon that they'll make uh, it's already it's already it's already hard enough uh, for league two sides to enter uh, Ligue 1. Because uh, you've only got the top two who go up, and then you've got the, the you've got fifth who can actually go up, uh, which will actually you, you you actually have the same thing in England, but it's even more uh, shall we say uh, sordid than than in England as the fourth host fifth and the winner of that plays against third, and then the winner of that plays plays a playoff against who's, whoever's 18th in league. I just can't see the LFP if. If we go to back to eighteen clubs, I'm pretty sure that they'll say, "Okay, two go down, two go up." That's it, or something like that. And it just it, it will just make things even more difficult. And and league do I mean what happens to league do if league goes to eighteen clubs? Will league go to eighteen clubs like before? I just yeah, it's just it would be huge step, huge step backwards for me, of course.
0: Seems like the story is gathering a bit of pace, though. A lot of the presidents reportedly are on board with this. Uh, with with Leon President Michel uh, Jean Michel Olas, part of the the team, talking about it at the moment, and. You know there was even chat about the, the league going down to 16 teams I believe but they thought that was a bit unrealistic but it does seem as if many of the, the big men and the big women in French football are on board with this with the the head of, of the TV the, the big wigs in the TV rights deal and the big wigs of LFP and the big wigs of the clubs all seeming to be on the same page with this so we have seen so many magnanimous changes in football over the last few seasons over the last few weeks even uh, and it seems like this could be another massive change coming to French football. Love or hate it, it seems as if it's gathering a bit of pace and could be enacted as quickly as the 2022-23 campaign. So we'll keep an eye on this new story as it develops. Like I said, it's only really been brought back to the fore this week. It was discussed on the 27th of April. Uh, But yes, this could be something really bringing itself to French football sooner rather than later. But let's move on to some of our previews for this podcast. And we're starting off with Brest versus Nantes. We've been meaning to get a a section for Nantes for a few weeks now with their recent uh, exploits in the league. Antoine Campoari, of course, has taken over the last few matches as manager and it's been better than it was, but it's still been a bit of a slow start to life In Nantes, as they stand, they're currently 18th in Ligue 1, which is the relegation playoff place for those unaware, um, which would mean that they would face off against one of the Ligue 2 teams should they stay 18th uh, at the end of the season. Thomas Wiseman, Comboari's come in and results have improved a little bit, but it definitely isn't the type of form that you'd be desiring to get up and away from this relegation dogfight.
2: No, um, and I think this. I think they are four points away from from the team above them, which is uh, Lorient. Um, so I'm on. I, I think we discussed it before the before the podcast, and um, we sort of all were unanimous in saying it wouldn't be the worst thing if non got relegated in some ways, just because of how much of a basket case that that club has, has become, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, they, if they stay, I think they're joint on points with Neem, If they stay in 18th and have the playoff uh, round, there's a good few teams in league there that have been playing some better football than, than none. So they they would be in, in danger of going down for sure. You said... Also, the... also to mention, sorry, uh, of course, it's Jet. They've uh, only just, in the past few hours, uh, activated the option to buy on our uh, loan deal, which I think is about 7, and seven, maybe 8 million euros, um, which I thought was interesting. So I'm guessing they're just going to try and flip him for for a profit.
0: Who's that for, sorry? Lafont. Oh, right, Okay. 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 Yeah. He he'll, he'll be a you know young French goalkeeper. He'll probably be up for a number of clubs. Maybe a return to Italy mm-hmm. or, or something. I mean, there are saleable assets in this non team that you could yeah. have a look at if they do go down to league. Do there are players I would definitely take. A lot of clubs would take off their hands maybe for not a lot of money. So there are you know the it's not the darkest time for non if they do go down. I mean, it's never nice to see your team get relegated. But Thomas, you did say that the. That not have turned into a basket case in recent years. Do they seem like a team that almost? Ugh, I don't. I don't want to sound too patronising here, but almost need a relegation just to kind of reset. We've seen that with a number of teams we did in the see, last we saw, few years. I think in we France. said the
2: same thing about Toulouse last last season. Actually, when yeah. they went down, and they look like they well, they're definitely in contention of coming back up. Um, they've sort of turned it around in in uh, in league, so it could be, it it possibly could be. But I mean, Toulouse did get a takeover and. I <laughs> don't see Keita selling the club really um, for for none. So uh, I, I wouldn't be as confident to see them bounce back up as, as perhaps we, we thought, well, uh, what we've seen to lose um, possibly could be doing this season as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at League 2, we have had a lot, a lot of big teams playing in that league in recent years and you know many of them do come back up and have a really successful time and the main mm-hmm. one you can look at obviously is Lawrence this season they've been playing some of the best football in the division despite not being in League 1 for about 5 years 5, 6 years been playing a lot of league Two football but they've come up and they seem as if they're going to be a team now who are kind of here for the long run you can't really see them getting relegated over the next few years so I, I, I do not have this opportunity at the moment if they don't stay in the league to do something that L- loans have done you know put a bit of money in have a bit of a reset no. maybe a, a change in ownership no. I, I don't know how that would work I, I don't see that happening unfortunately How so?
2: Um, <laughs> they've they're, well they're not a very well run club um, it's well known that uh, Keita is a pretty terrible um, president, and and all the stuff about them. The supporters playing clown music at their training sessions and <laughs> and whatnot, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, and stuff like that. So it's 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 a it's a sad state of affairs. Obviously, they're not down like uh, other teams, um, so they'll they'll continue to fight, and they've got some important games coming up. Obviously they're playing um they're playing Brest this weekend who are basically safe. Uh, I think they have got Bordeaux maybe the week after. Yes. Um so that's a that's a huge game because Bordeaux are, are not far off them. And mm. obviously they're in a, a comp- well, a worse situation uh, off the pitch than than not as well.
0: Yeah, no actually do have a few crucial weeks coming up in the yeah. last four games of the season. They've got Brest, like you said, and then Bordeaux, and then Dijon away, who we're going to come on to in just a moment. They're already relegated, but you can sometimes see that with teams when when they get their fate handed to them, they sometimes have a bit of a reset and actually play quite well in the last few matches. And if no, if not, don't watch out; they can end up finishing nineteenth because Nîmes, right below them, are on the same number of points. They're not only ahead on goal difference, I believe. So they could really get caught up in relegation. They might not even have the opportunity, excuse me, of a relegation playoff to save themselves. Um, some of the players, though, that, that may be looking at these last four games as a math of opportunity. Uh, there's two in particular I wanted to, to have a, have a pick, uh, pick your brain at, Thomas. Uh, one's Randall Colo, Moani, and also Ludovic Bla And Randall Moani, when he came, I feel like he was on loan last season, maybe one of the lower league teams, um, he was on loan at yeah, Bologna, he spent a year there, and when he came back to Nantes and was, was really integrated into the first team, it was kind of his first real year as a professional footballer for Nantes, there was a lot of hype, and he's had five goals and three assists in a pretty rotten Nantes side, so for yeah. a 22-year-old striker, you'd surely see that as a, as a pretty solid season.
2: Yeah, this is based. I mean this is his first season um in uh in well I guess you could call it professional football. Um I'm not sure where Boulon was when he was playing for them. Um but you know he's been he's been quietly impressive and uh, he got a call up to the under twenty ones, I'm pretty sure. Um and he, he's you know, he's um not playing the best of sides, but he's quite a good he he's he's a good player to bring sort of to to bring in other attackers, um, and his his sort of link-up play is is actually quite impressive. Um, he's not a a dominating striker uh, at the moment. He's only obviously he's only young, um, but certainly for a, for a first season, it's it's uh, it's impressive. And it's you know, we we come to expect this from from players that have come through the Nantes system, and they do produce. You know, even though the the club is um, is in big danger, they they still. You know, over the past few seasons, for a long time now, they've produced um, talented player on talented player.
0: And Ludovic blaz another one who's had a really good opportunity this season. I know you're, you're a massive fan of him, but he's really had a good run of things. I'm pretty sure he's had some pretty devastating injury issues in the past, in, in the last few years. But this season... Twenty-eight games started, you know, eight goals under his belt, two assists. It's really the season that he needed for the for the, the place that he was in his career at twenty three years old. It's been it's been, again, relatively solid for him this season.
2: Yeah, I mean it it's so strange to think that Bly is uh 23? twenty-three. Twenty three years old, yes. Yeah, he's twenty three and he's probably had about five seasons in League um, and because he was at Gangon for a very long time. Um it's a hugely um, talented player there, and I think he well he must have played under Komboire at some point because I think Komboire was at Gangam, um, and uh, no, you know this is probably his best best season so far. You know he's he's a very dangerous player, um, really can sort of drive a team forward, both you know with strong running and and um, driving passes, passes into the. Into the dangerous areas, and and even though he's you know not playing the best of teams, he's he's certainly shown at least some of what we suspected. You know, some of the potential we, we suspected he he did have, and obviously at twenty three, he's got um, plenty of time on his hands. So maybe a move to a a more established um, league and club is is on
0: the cards. Hmm. And and Philip Yale, if not. Fail to get themselves out of the mess that they're in. They do go into a, a relegation playoff with one of the league 2 sides next season. You know some of the teams they could be coming up against is, is Clermont, who I know Thomas, you're a massive fan of, uh, Toulouse as well. Only got relegated last season. Grenoble as well, though. Auger, Even Paris FC could get themselves into those playoff spots. Uh, do, do, do you see Nantes getting past many of those teams? There there are some clubs there that have played some really nice football this season. In the second tier, something that none really haven't done much of this campaign, Philip.
1: Well, the husband seasons where League Two sides just got up because there was uh, the, the less less bad, uh, you know, uh, best of a best <laughs> yeah. of a bad bunch, uh, shall we say? But not not particularly uh, goal hungry or goal savvy or you know playing uh, playing nice uh, nice stuff up front. But in Troyes, Toulouse, and Clermont, League Two have some. Uh, Really, I mean, I would say league and quality sides, given the uh, the spirit with what uh, with um, how how they are playing, and I think they would give not uh, really uh, a game. Uh, just just to say that a lot of uh, followers of French football would back whoever is playing. Not at this minute in time, including not fans, because not fans are really anti Kita, and uh, all they wish for is for him to sell. And uh, them going down would actually uh, go in go in that favour. So I think, yeah, I think the the playoff would be would be quite uh, quite an interesting affair. It usually it usually is anyway, most years. But uh, obviously we didn't have that last season. Um, but but um, yeah, I can see I can see this. If it's uh, if it's uh, whoever comes third out of Toulouse and Clermont, I think we'll have a nice uh, a really nice tie and. Um, and that not would be in real danger of going down. But again, I, I, I do, I do reckon that uh, Nîmes and Dijon, uh, Dijon are officially down. Nîmes uh, not not in a, not in great shape, and I do I do reckon not have a better size than Nîmes, so they might finish uh, in that playoff spot. And uh, whoever whoever they meet, they're gonna have a a rough time against because aside from Blair and Moureni, which you just mentioned, I mean, going forward is it's really not that good.
0: Okay, so we have Nantes. Uh, this weekend travelling away to Brest, uh, Thomas mentioned that Brest don't really have much in the way of of things to play for at the moment, you know, they're comfort- comfortably sitting 13th, they might actually be, well they're not mathematically safe but you'd imagine that there's some teams that will slip up and Brest will at least win another game between now and the end of the season so they're pretty much safe, they could make a late burst into the top 10 if, if other matches fall their way but it's definitely going to be an interesting game this weekend in terms of the visitors and how they turn up. Thomas Wiseman, what's your score prediction then for this one? Not travelling away to Brest this weekend.
2: Uh, I'm going to give it a one-all draw.
0: A one-all draw. And Philip Barziel, how about you?
1: I'm going to go with
0: uh, 2-0 to Brest. 2-0 to Brest. Okay, I'm actually going to go for a one nil win for Nantes uh, I, I think they may be able to kind of pull something out of this game even if it's a Randall Muani solid goal, or maybe a bit of a Khalifa Koulibaly back post header, I don't know, maybe something like that. But I'm going to actually back the visitors for this one with a 1-0 win, but it's going to be a scrappy match. It's definitely going to be an intense match with the way that the season is starting to go for the Canary. Uh, Okay, and let's go on to our final match of the podcast. This is Dijon up against Mets. Dijon sadly at the bottom of the table, and last week due to their really bad defeat to Rennes, I think it was 5-0 or 5-1 or whatnot, they have been relegated from Ligue 1, a five-year stay in the top flight of France, but that has now come to an end. David Linares was brought in as manager a few months ago in an attempt to save this sinking ship, but the ship has sunk and Dijon will be playing some Ligue de Football next season. And and, and Philip Bargiel, we've talked about this team before us saying that we still to this day think their squad was pretty solid but they just seem to be missing something this season, they were really way off the mark and they at the moment have only picked up 18 points which I believe is matched with Trois as the lowest points tally in League and of all time Philip, it's definitely not been a fantastic season for the Mustards
1: For the Mustards, now um, we, we said that the, the side was not uh, was not that bad, uh, but ju- they just never never seemed to, to click and get get in a run where they could uh, uh, have some uh, have some clean sheets in uh, in in a certain way. Goalkeeper uh, not uh, not too bad. You have some uh, some big guys at the back like Iquilemonge, uh, Kudibali, uh, Fouad Foued Shafik, who's uh, who's a decent decent fullback. Midfield and attack, it's it's kind of the same thing. Samaritano is a you know it's a Lots of movement, uh, always, always dribbling uh, down, down the wing up front. You have, uh, you have Konate, you have, uh, you have Schiedler. well, yeah, actually not, uh, not that good. But you know, I mean, there, there are, there are uh, worse sides that stayed up. So that's why, uh, at some point, uh, I was saying, uh, you know, there's a the team that they should, uh, uh, they should uh, dig deep and uh, try and first of all try and not concede any goals. But unfortunately for them, that hasn't uh, that hasn't happened very, very often. Um, just looking down the score lines, it's ha- it's happened just uh, just five times to Dijon this this season, and that's that's the first problem because in the game, if you want if you want to stay at football, I mean, you have to 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 keep it nice and tight at the back, and it just yeah it just never happens. So once you once you don't uh, settle this problem. Uh, then you've got as uh, a problem of uh, trying to score more than than the, than the opponents, and that's no, that's where that's why there's no not much surprise why Dijon only won three games this season, and why they're only on on 18 points? I don't, however, I don't think I mean not would, not going down would be a structural problem because uh, they are a Liga club, and uh, they they do want to stay there. For Dijon, I mean they had had a nice one in in Liga. Uh, but I don't think it would uh, it would actually cripple the club and I reckon they uh, they'd fit into the league the de, lead de landscape hmm. um, not perfectly but I think they would uh, that settle in and if they don't uh, lose too many quality players and they do have some not much but they do um then they'll uh, they'll be uh they, they won't be ridiculous, uh, shall, uh, shall we say? I don't think they'll do. Uh, they'll, they'll do what uh, some sides have done and go down, and then uh, then go into extinction due to mismanagement. I, I reckon uh, they'll uh, they'll try and rebuild and uh, see where it goes from here. I mean, Toulouse were in the right state last season. Uh, they had a very poor start to, to this season, losing at home to Dunkerque, who are uh, actually in the relegation spots in Ligue 2. And uh, look at Toulouse now. I mean, they they did uh, some uh, some good uh, some good recruitment, some good movement. They're playing some good football now, and uh, they're probably going to uh, to join Liga to to play Liga again. So I, I don't think it's going to be that uh, that that much of a of a catastrophe uh, of a shambles for Dijon as it could be for Nantes, for instance. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Thomas Wiseman, if you're looking through this Dijon side at the moment, the team that's going to be getting relegated at the end of the season, who are you looking to pick up for a bargain? Who's some of the guys that you would go, yeah, I'll have him, yep, I'll put him, he's right back, he can go back up goalkeeper? Because there's a lot of players that, just going through the squad now, You <laughs> teams could do a good job with. There's a, there's a good squad here somewhere if I had the right management and the, and the right coaching.
2: Is it? I don't... Think it's a very
0: good score. That's I think really. there's some I think there's some Okay, let me the, how about, I'll go through main, I'll go through some of it if you want. I like Anthony Raciopi, even though he had an absolute rotten second half of the season. Uh you've got guys like Jonathan Panzer quality sometimes. We're just in the I know. I know, Phil, I know. <laughs> um who else have you got? Ngonda Mazinga, I saw him have a really good a really good match once, so that means he must be incredible. Um you know, other guys like like uh, Pappy, uh, he's on loan. Pappy, shake. Uh, Beresin Selina, definitely don't hate. I think Beresin Selina's a pretty solid player. Munir Trier, my God, we were nominating for Player of the Year. What yeah, well, was true. it last season or the season before? He's been, but he's fell off a cliff. Been, yeah, pretty shocking. But if you can, I think that
2: he he's gone basically. I think I'm surprised he didn't leave in the summer. Actually, yeah, I think he was very close to leaving for a a, a good, I think it was 15 million, the the sum that was was touted. I doubt they'll get that for him now but no, he'll, he'll definitely be gone um, maybe Mama Balde.
0: I really like Mama Balde. really yeah. like Mama Balde. Well,
2: I'm not really sure of anybody else to be honest
0: even Musa um, couple, a couple of years ago at Amion how many goals yeah, did he get? a couple get of years league ago, league ago his, yeah but come on he's 28 he's coming into his prime <laughs> where did, did he get that first goal that first I season back first season back for Amion 13 league Un goals Thomas how, how many league Un goals have you got? Oh, yeah zero
2: <laughs> <laughs> really. Okay.
0: See, so, um, so you wouldn't be having a lot of this team then, no. N-
2: n- no, not really. I mean, I think it sh- let's just sum it up to, to end. The, la- the last game Dijon played, before that game, they hadn't scored in four games. They lost to Rennes 5-1. Their scorer was Yassine Benzia
0: So, yeah. I think that ends the conversation. There. He is still kicking about, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting one. It's definitely an interesting one. Um, so they'll be facing Mets in this match this weekend. Uh, Thomas could be a little bit of a dead rubber. going to don't you know, watch this Mets game, Mets really fail off. not watch
2: this game, please. <laughs> I wouldn't watch this game. Sorry, Jez. If we, ha, we, to,
0: had to, we had to touch on Dijon purely because of the relegation, but it definitely doesn't look as if it's going to be a great game uh, this weekend. But I don't know what Dijon now that well, they're maybe. relegated. Both,
2: both teams haven't got anything to play with, so maybe they'll put on some weird... Formations or, or <laughs> play some of the young players. I mean, I think Mets are quite interesting to to watch just for the you know the the young players have got like Pap uh, Matasar. He's he's a a really interesting player. To watch. I think he's only eighteen. Mm. Another player that's come from the uh, generation foot um, links. So I think Mets would be more. You can watch it, watch it for Mets. Don't watch it for. To with
0: dijon. <laughs> i'm gonna predict uh jordan marie masterclass at center mid <laughs> it's probably his first career market master class you could probably say but yeah i'm, I'm predicting that uh t- to come out anywhere so dijon metz thomas how do you see this game finishing mm, nil nil a solid nil nil, nil, nil. sexy yeah. i love it philip Bargiel, how about you sir how do you see this game finishing
1: I'm going to go with 1-0 uh, uh, no, go from Dijon
0: <laughs> I'm going to go 1-0 win also but I'm going to give it to the hosts I feel like Mets have been absolutely falling off a cliff these last few weeks very
1: classy week.
0: of you Yeah, thank <laughs> you, don't worry You've got, you got to even it out you know, I mean, we've got a 0-0 nil, nil, we've got a 1-0 for home and 1-0 for away It's really, really a decisive podcast you're listening to <laughs> uh, Yeah, I'm going to go 1-0 win for the hosts on this one Dijon with Who's going to score? Roger Asali. Roger Asali creeping up at the back post, getting his first goal this season, maybe. I don't know if he's scored already. Second goal, forgive me. Second goal this campaign. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm going to hit it with that. And Roger Asali's name is who we're going to end the podcast with. (laughs) Once again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, If you're looking for more information on all things French football in English, you can catch us on the website at get footballnewsfrance.com You can also find us on Twitter at GFFN That's at GFFN on Twitter and at the moment I believe we're doing some polling for our team of the season um, at the moment so 50% of the of you know, the decision making is going to be down to a public vote, and the other half is going to be decided by uh, writers and contributors to GFFN. I've not been contacted yet, though. Thomas, have you been? Con- have, have you had anyone in your DMs so you could uh, nominate someone for the team? Not because I yet, haven't. they
2: I'd nominate
0: every Andre player could. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting on my letter in the post I'm sure it'll come next week or something <laughs> from big Christian Newry, but it's not come yet uh, but yeah so if you want to get involved in the conversation do get on Twitter and you can choose your favourite centre half of the season centre med left winger strikers where it's all going down so far um, I, I'd just like to say my, my outside nomination for goalkeeper of the season is Alexandre Ukija. don't think he's going to win it but I thought I might throw his name That's in there anyway chat. I think he's a top, top player. Uh, okay, I've been Lewis McParl and I've been joined by Philip Bargiel and Thomas Wiseman. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Paris Saint-Germain have a massive game next weekend against Manchester City. Can they get through? Well, that still remains to be seen, but we'll be bringing you all the goals and the reaction next Thursday or next Friday when it comes out on the preview show. So thank you very much for listening and I'll see you then. Goodbye.